Welcome to The Grid. I am your host, Jennifer Shahadi, and we'll be taking a 13 by 13 episode journey through every possible No Limit Hold'em hand, 169 hands in total, from aces to seven deuce offsuit. Each episode, I'll interview another top poker player or personality about their hand. Once a combo is taken, it's gone. So this podcast will become progressively more difficult as hands like ace-king are removed from the grid. Whether you spend hours poring over grids as you study poker, love to listen to hand history pods while grinding cash, or are just interested in absurd scavenger hunts, we're going to have some fun. You got the cards. Dealer, I'm feeling it hit me. Yeah, I got swagger. They see me, see me strutting. All sweating daggers. Believe it, I'm the real thing. But I gotta switch it on. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Grid. I'm Jennifer Shahadi, and my guest today is Chiyu Zhao, who goes by Nemo Online. She's a world youth chess champion, a FIDE master, a woman's grandmaster. She's also a world-famous streamer at twitch.tv slash aka Nemsko. She's a League of Legends partner, a professional esports player at Counter Logic Gaming, CL Gaming. She also actually really loves poker and has been sprinkling it into her main menu of chess and League of Legends on the AKA Nemsco channel for the past year. She turned 21 in January. I know, a very impressive bio for such a young person. And she recently played her very first live cash game, a ladies night in Las Vegas televised and put on by WPT in the summer of 2021, where she played along with numerous poker champions, including Xuan Lu and Jamie Kurtstetter, as well as her fellow chess streaming superstar, Alexander Botez. Another opponent in that game was Maria Konnikova, the former grid guest and the New York Times bestselling author of several books, including most recently, The Biggest Bluff. Maria, who is also a poker champion, is the opponent in the hand that Nemo brings us today, King Ten Suited. And no spoilers, but Maria's title may come into play. <laughs> Yeah, it's absolutely great to be on your podcast, Jen. Uh, we've been talking about this for a little bit. So happy to be finally here. Yes, I'm so excited as well. I remember you telling me when I think you were 19 at the time that you liked poker. And I was like, oh, I can't wait for mm-hmm. you to turn 21 so we can like talk about <laughs> it more and maybe play on stream sometime. So here we are. Here we are. Here we are indeed. <laughs> and on the grid, we really like to jump right into the hand and then kind of like mm-hmm. zoom out to life and poker and chess in general. So tell us about this hand with King-10 suited against Maria Konnikova. How were you doing in the game up to the point of this hand? And when did it take place? Oh my, Uh, I'm like, this is one of those hands that I think everybody gave me way too much credit for because I believe this was after my second buy-in so it was like a 5k cash game and it was my first ever time it's a huge it's a high stakes game I never played poker before for me it was like even higher stakes because I was just there like I have never played poker live and I've definitely never had to like sort of bet with basically what is an entire years of tuition so it was a 5k buy-in tournament and I think this is my second buy-in I don't exactly remember but I did have the King 10 suited. And this was when I was playing against Ashley and Maria. So 
I had like learned a little bit of poker and I knew I had a pretty good hand because it has the opportunity of making a like a straight and also the opportunity of making a flush, obviously. So I was like pretty down to play this hand. But basically what happens is when Maria <laughs> three bet, I like obviously I had no idea what hands she had, right? I just assumed my hands are pretty good. And uh, the flop was like eight, nine, uh, sorry, nine, three, eight. And, and I was like, Okay, well, this gives me pretty good opportunities to make a straight. And I was like, okay, this is time to, you know, kind of raise a little bit. And the the, the problem was, and this is the part where everybody thinks, gives me so much more credit than like what I actually deserve. Because when the queen came out, I was like, oh, shoot, I made a straight because I can't count for some reason. Oh, my God. Wait, let's wait. Okay. <laughs> let, let, let's backtrack a little. Let's backtrack a little because I'm not, not sure everybody has seen the hand. So I'm just going to give them the action. Yeah. So Ashley Sleeth, who's a fantastic player. I mean, I, I watched um, her through this cash game and she's she's great. She opened early position um, to 150 in the 25-50 game. And um, everybody's pretty deep. You know, at least 100 big blinds in this hand. You might have been on your second buy-in, but you were already up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I saw you playing. You just got better every hand, it seemed like. <laughs> Thank you. So Nemo um, flatted on the button and with a king-10 suited of hearts. And Maria Kanakova is in the small blind. And she squeezes three bets to 650. So it was like 150, 150, and she makes it 650, right? And so Sleeth calls and you call pretty quickly as well. You have the king 10 suited in position. And so that makes like a pot of 2K. And then it was the 938, right? Uh huh. That was a flop. The 938 flop, it actually checked around. So it checked to you in the flop. And you were already kind of excited because you saw that you had a 10. So it's like <laughs> you had the 8, 9, 10. That's good. Yeah. And then the, uh, but it checked around. So did you think about betting on the flop? Because I noticed throughout the game, you were very aggressive. I did. I was also like, extremely i think i would say like just straight up random like i i'm so bad with poker terminology that's like my first apology and then my second apology is i have no idea how to play the game for the most part so my my like raises were all really awfully sized i kind of understood when to raise and when to like call or like when to fold and all that stuff so here i was thinking that like Okay, nine three. Sorry, nine three eight isn't like crazy for me, right? Because I don't really have anything. I just potentially have a high high card, and I was like, okay, let's just check. So then, like, bet on the turn. Yeah. So she bet four hundred, I believe. Yes, and then Ashley folded. So she bet the ace king on the queen eight nine three. Which, by the way, there's. There are two spades on the board now. The queen bought a, a spade. Uh, the nine was a spade and then the, the queen was a spade. But the flop was nine, three, eight rainbow. Um, we do have a queen of spades on the turn. So no hearts, right? So no hearts at all. So there was a diamond on the flop. But yeah. Nemo has the king, ten of hearts and there are no hearts. And then it folds to you on the turn and you have the king, ten suited. So now what's going through your head? Yeah. So what went through my head is that I had a straight and this is like why I wanted to send you this one because everybody was saying, wow, that was a great bluff. And I'm just really confused there. I'm just like, what? I just totally forgot that there's like a jack between going between eight, nine. Like I, I for some reason, my mind just completely skipped over the fact that there's a jack. But the reason that I really like this hand was because I understood like right after 
that, oh my God, I didn't actually hit a straight. I thought I hit a straight when I was playing it. And then immediately after I was like, oh, oh, everybody say I bluffed. I'm like, oh my God, that wasn't a straight. And I was like, but the point was I understood how like important bluffing is kind of in poker or like just playing Like, it's just so different from the way that I would play any other game, right? Because like, you know, you don't bluff in chess or anything like that. You either have the best move or you don't. And and that's kind of what it is. You don't just like play this in the hopes that your opponent doesn't see anything. So for me, when I played this, I actually thought I had the best hand. And then after I realized like, oh my God, I was playing so awful, but it turned out to be really good because I bluffed. Like, I just raised so much that I made Maria full. That's kind of like sort of how I approach that. You made it 1500. That's right. So she mm-hmm. made it 400. You made it 1500. And she um, mm-hmm. she folded after just a, a little bit of table talk. Um, she's extremely charming. Mm-hmm. And then you showed your hand. So when you showed your hand, did you realize you were buffing at some point? Or was it only until much later? Until Only until later. Only until after everybody was like, that was a great bluff. I was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Ah, so at first you maybe thought they were kidding, but then you realized, I see. Exactly. Wow. Well, you know, the good thing is, though, like, I feel like that's a good size as a value raise, too. (laughs) Yeah, this is why I really wish I knew exactly in that moment why what I was doing was so good. I wish every single one of my decisions was fully conscious. I really wish that, like, right now. (laughs) But I wanted to say kind of like, you know, this is how it actually went down, which I found rather sort of amusing because it's like, oh, this is kind of what happens when a newer player is introduced to poker. It's a bit of, huh, interesting. So this is what it's like. Well, I mean, that's a great honesty, though. I feel like you are you must be very comfortable yourself to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you're aware that in, in chess, I know that there are some like old school chess analysts that were mocked for like always making it seem like they saw everything. Yeah. So they would like their annotations would be like, yeah, and I saw that and I saw that. And it's like, mm-hmm. really, they were just like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I better figure out what to do against that move now. Making things up on the spot kind of thing, right? <laughs> it's also funny because I'm going to be honest as well. When I watched this hand and I watched it several times for this episode, I was looking at your mannerisms and I was like, wow, like, yeah, I feel like I can get a read on Nemo now because she's like, she looks like so comfortable and she's like laughing. Like, <laughs> that must be like her kind of like bluffing style. <laughs> I have no idea what my bluffing style is. I have no idea what I'm doing all the time. There's a lot of confusion. It was a lot of, I was so stressed for the entire event. And then I was just like, I have no idea what's going on here. Maria, I realized like she, told, she introduced herself as Maria. I was like, oh, that's really cool. Hi, Maria. And then I realized she's Maria Konnikova because I had like never looked like at a picture of her. I read her book, but I didn't actually know what she looked like. I was like, oh my God, you're Maria Konnikova. Getting to meet somebody you really respect is like, I think something that a lot of people can relate to, right? Like if you, if you meet somebody that you really look up to and it's like, that is super cool. And then I realized like, I'm just playing against Maria Konnikova. And I was like, this is just, like doubly cool like it was the one of the most awesome things that has happened to me in recent memory i was actually gonna ask you about that did you read her book 
it is so perfect because her book is about starting off as a brilliant person who has a lot of potential ingredients for poker success and that she was a psychology PhD and also a very competitive person. And then going through that journey and becoming a champion in a little over a year, and then you play her in this hand and it feels like it's kind of like circle. Oh my God. <laughs> people like to joke, like don't meet your heroes. But I think Maria is one of those people that you really should want to meet. She's just so like genuine in her and it's great. And down to earth, totally. Yeah. I must say a lot of people would say the exact same thing about you. I mean, again, when you're talking about circles, people who are watching you, big fans of you on Twitch and then get to meet you in real life, um, they might have the exact same story. So I think that's pretty cool, too, that you recognize that and that you can try to give that experience to other people who meet oh, you. Oh, wow. Um, I'm just going to warn anybody who meets me in person is going to be faced with a lot of awkwardness. <laughs> I am definitely a lot more comfortable online than I am in person. I definitely struggle a little bit with um, introducing myself to people or like getting to like make new friends. I feel like all the friends I have are introduced to me by other people. And I never really like reach out to somebody I want to talk to. Just to wrap up the hand, I mean, 938 Queen, now that you've had more time to think about the hand, would you have played it differently? And any like additional thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, considering I should not know what her hand is, right? Not knowing her hand. I honestly think what I do is pretty good. But, but this is also like taking into consideration that now I know a bit more about bluffing. If... I went back and I realized that, hey, this is not a straight. I would have not bet like I did. I would have definitely lost out on this. But now, like currently, because I have more information and because I reviewed pretty much every single hand that I played from this entire event, now I have a much better understanding of like bluffs and like EV and like, you know, value betting. Sometimes like a big bet is really freaking good for it's like good for a bluff, right? And and it's not like I have an awful, awful hand either. So I, I think I would have played it like the way I did now if I went back. But <laughs> three weeks ago, when I was playing there, I would not have done this if I realized it wasn't a straight. Yeah, I mean, I love the play because also you, you don't have a flush draw. So if mm -hmm. for some reason she um, re-raises you, you can just throw it away, right? It's mm -hmm. not good enough to chase for the jack if she like puts you all in. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a really, it's a great play. And it worked out. She, by the way, had Ace King, as did Ashley. And um, you ended up, of course, winning the pot after she folded and ended up finishing the night with a... A little win, right? Uh, yeah, a very small one. It was like 150 over 10K or something. 150 over 10K? Yeah. All right. Nice. You know, you got there in the plus column. You got there in the black. Very yeah, nice. I was just surprised I didn't get completely destroyed. And you said since then you've analyzed the hands. Do you mm -hmm. have a poker coach? Um, yeah, I have some people who help me a little bit with poker. Uh, some people from my community. I mean, when I was first starting out in poker, it was all like online because that's where I could legally play. And it's was also during COVID. So that's really the only place where I could learn. But I don't think anything prepared me for, like I was going over the previous night prior to this event with Thalo, like a lot of like how to handle chips and like how to not accidentally show everybody your cards and a lot of like the most basic possible poker things that, you know, every poker player should really know. But as somebody who like 
only turned legal this year and has only played online because of the whole pandemic situation. It was it was a lot of information for me to just like kind of take in. And I was still kind of messing up during the game, having to be reminded constantly, like when you're raising or something, you have to put all in all your chips like at the same time and not like do it one by one. Um, luckily, the girls were super nice about it. So nobody like called me out for it. But I definitely had like a lot of things to like even learn about like mannerisms and poker and all of that stuff was very interesting. Oh, yeah, I can imagine it's totally overwhelming because you're dealing with like the physicality, but then you're also playing this intellectual game at the same time. And mm-hmm. I saw your session and it seemed like you got a lot of playable hands uh-huh. um, and then some that you just wanted to play. Yeah. Um, so you were in the action a lot. I started like being told like kind of halfway through because Thala was like messaging me. It was all like an hour delay, I think. So obviously it was really delayed. But like at one point, he was just like, stop. He was just like, stop playing King 8 offsuit. I am still very traumatized by playing King 8 offsuit. I think I got so many of them when I was reviewing. I think I got like 10 of them or something. And I just kept playing them. When you're playing, I think it all becomes like a giant jumble mess, like complete mess in my head. I just, was not like really focusing. I was like trying to talk. I was trying to like, you know, be a content creator because that is what I was there primarily for. But I'm just so competitive. I was like really trying my best. And I feel like this hand that we actually played was probably not the best impression of that day. I feel like I definitely had like, I had moments where I was actually thinking about my hand and it went really good as well. But there was also a lot of moments like this where I kind of like accidentally stumbled upon doing the right thing, which I found really interesting. Yeah, but you did a number of times, which I guess just shows like an affinity. Like if you if you're constantly like intuitively chancing upon the right decision, it maybe means that you have a talent for the game, <laughs> which is great. And yeah, I saw some of your other hands, like mm-hmm. queens versus queens that you were able to win because you showed more aggression. Mm-hmm. Um, a hand where you had only a pair and you got three streets of value. So you, you did a lot of nice aggressive pot building. And I think that, yeah, like it, it was a really great debut. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I I think I could not have asked for a better experience. It was just incredible poker, honestly, too. Like, I'm just, I think it's always more fun when things go kind of right for you, as in not losing. Not losing is kind of nice. Absolutely. I mean, plus 150. Hey, that that pays for uh, maybe part of the sushi dinner that you had in Vegas. (laughs) All the pictures. Yeah. So actually, that ties into my question. So you got the nickname Nemo by your parents when you were just three years old, right around when you started playing chess, by the way, Mm -hmm. and partly because you loved aquariums and Finding Nemo came out the same year. Mm -hmm. So I know from your sushi affinity that you still like fish. And (laughs) how do you feel about fish being a pejorative in poker and chess? Like a fish is a bad player. I like it. So poker and chess is very different when it comes to how you approach better players. So yeah, usually in poker, you want people to think you're bad because then you want people who are worse than you to play with you so you can win their money in very simple terms, because that is the general like kind of thing I've understood from poker. And once again, I've never like as a complete disclaimer, I have not really interacted that much with poker. I play like a little few sit and goes online and like MTTs and for my with my community and like some streamer games, but 
I've never actually like fully immersed myself in poker. I don't know if you guys call it culture. I don't know what you, what the correct term for it is, but it's really fascinating how poker players kind of approach games as well as bets and gambling in general. Another thing is that poker is just not a perfect information game. Like chess is more of a perfect information game, I would say. And there's always a best move in any position. And if you can find that best move more times than your opponent can, you're probably a better player than them. People always seek out to play against people better than them. And and I think that's like something that's super different about chess and poker. Like the whole vibe around chess and poker is just so incredibly different. And how do you feel when you're bluffing? Like, how does that make you feel? Um, When I bluff, my heart just like pounds. It's just like I can still rem- remember the adrenaline from some of the hands I played during the entire game. It was just like, oh my God, <laughs> this is a lot of money. And if I lose, this kind of sucks, <laughs> kind of kind of vibe. And it was also like, I try not to think about the money, but it's also just like, I like poker because each individual round, right? It's very different from like how you approach chess. So I really like that aspect of of poker. Um, And when I'm bluffing, it's just like, I want to, especially on like, well, this hand was a little bit different because I actually thought I had the best, (laughs) which I did not. But anyways, it's just like my heart was just racing so fast. So fast. And what about sacrificing a knight in chess and not having like exactly a clear idea whether you're going to like check me? Like it's not like you you know that you're going to get there. See, so yeah, I'm using a poker term. Does that feel similar in any way? <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, when I do that, in, I don't really do that in chess. I think that's like another thing. I never ever, when I play chess, I always make sure I can see the end of the line. And this is probably like a really bad habit for time in terms of time management but I was always kind of really good at tactics well I wasn't always really good at tactics but I play in a style that's like very aggressive usually so when I sacrifice something I'm like 99% certain that it's gonna work and that's hardly ever an occasion where if I'm not 100% sure about it I tend to not play it kind of thing. So you're not a big gambit player. I am not a big gambit. I'm the opposite. I play the Spanish and I play the most solid lines. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes you got to sacrifice something in the Spanish. I play that as well. That's you know, true. You got to get some knight h6, knight g7 yeah. things in there eventually. But it, there's a big, big buildup. I know what you mean. Yeah. No, I like, I love the buildup in chess. I think that's what I like the most. Like I love setting everything up, going through the position of maneuvers. And then I get like super aggressive. And I just break through with pawns and stuff. A lot of people have like described my style as like kind of like unique. And it's also partly because I play so much like bullet player I guess like it's I'm like kind of all around with a tendency to prefer to pressure my opponent into like resigning like make their position suffer like I would rather win that way than like put it on like a 70 30 coin flip or something like that oh that's a good coin flip though I'll take that let's, yeah let's it's go. a good coin flip let's but I will go. still not take it in chess I want 100 percent. that's yeah. that's how I approach it yeah what do you think would be difficult for poker for you if you took it really seriously like what part of it do you think would be something you'd really have to work on oh my god I think a part I really have to work on is how do I handle losses so part of the reason I'm so happy with poker right now is because I haven't lost because I played exactly one game and I have won that exact one game 
And obviously that is not gonna happen, right? We've all played games before and we know perfectly well it is just impossible. And I have zero like expectations kind of in a way, but it's also like, I know if I play poker super seriously, I am going to hate the fact that I will lose. I already know that. And the part about that is not so much I hate losing, but the part is that I know I'm gonna like go on really bad, like have really bad moods and all I'll ever do for like a few months is play poker. Cause this is how I used to get with chess and League of Legends. It's like, if I did any kind of losing, I would just be a hard grind. Yeah, so that part is probably kind of difficult for me. Um, I mean, also just being such a new player and I feel like there's just so much in poker that I don't know. And uh, for anybody who's picked up chess during the pandemic, I'm sure you understand a little bit like how hard it is to get into a brand new game and try to like figure it out and try to understand how to play. It's just so incredibly difficult to get better at things like chess and poker. So that's another really big concern of mine. It's like, okay, I played this game. It went kind of okay, but I am still absolutely clueless to how most things go um, as we saw from this one hand where, you know, it might look like I know stuff, but I really don't. And that's like a big worry of mine too. I understand. And, you know, you, you mentioned a lot of things there, but one of them that really struck me was the question of mental health and losing and whether you're focused on poker on making a bad decision or having a bad outcome or both. You know, obviously there are some cases where you're not going to be super happy at the end of the session. You made a bluff mm-hmm. that was terrible or you made a bluff that was good and you got called. I mean, obviously being more decision oriented <laughs> is usually makes you a better player, but Either way, you could be upset afterwards. Yeah. And I did see on your YouTube channel, you had a video where you talked about how you struggled with this in chess. And you had one quote in particular where you said, I'm only worth being alive if I win this tournament. Mm -hmm. I thought that concept was detrimental to my mental health. And I see that uh, you, you seem to have like dealt with that really well because you still have this huge passion and career in chess. Mm-hmm. You still fear that that would kind of come back in poker. Yeah, I don't think it's so much as fear as much as I know it's going to happen. Not so much in the same way as it did before because I was definitely just really young. And when you're yeah. younger, you're you just don't deal with mental health very well because I mean... Part of it is because you're young, your brain is developing. Also, another part is it of it is not being able to get the help that competitive players should get. Like now I have a performance coach who is able to like walk me through the correct, not necessarily even correct, just like better ways to kind of deal with that. So I'm definitely a lot healthier now. But yeah, like I know if I got into anything seriously, I I like don't. Okay, that's not true. I do a lot of things like 50%, like I 50% capacity. But I know if it's like a serious game that I want to improve in, like poker, there's no going back in a sense. I know I want to do it like perfectly or not perfectly, but I want to do it like 100%. And that's obviously hard too, because poker comes with a very large, like not necessarily, but it comes with like a kind of a direct cash sort of tag on it which is very different from chess I would say because with chess you can kind of do it at a different pace so that's like another big thing about poker that's different for me that's great that you have a performance coach and actually that ties into a question I have that as a high performer do you think it's possible that one of the reasons you get really upset at yourself for losing is that that feeds into potential growth that if you're upset at yourself you'll try to avoid that situation and then play better Do you think that is possibly a root of it? Yeah, I think so. I think 
high performers always tend to be able to convert to doing other things pretty well. I think part of that reason is because they know how to approach things in a way that helps them improve. Because, for example, for chess, whenever I was like not doing so well, right? In the games, you'd be making a list of all your mistakes and then you would start working through all of those mistakes. Um, getting upset over those mistakes was a huge factor, whether it was embarrassment from losing a game that way or the pure sense of, you know, dejection when you lose out on like a tournament or you're supposed to win a tournament. So a lot of that definitely comes into play. I mean, I've had that same issue as well. And I think it's interesting because potentially it helps to feel bad when you lose so that you don't try you try not to lose but I also think it's maybe not the best way mm -hmm. because it's so draining and there's a really good book by international master Josh Whiteskin mm. um, called The Art of Learning and I felt like he did a really good job of explaining how he had that kind of growth issue in chess and then when he moved on to martial arts he tried to take like a more positive and loving approach to like making mistakes and failing mm -hmm. and improvement I feel like it is it is possible to do it differently. Yeah, for sure. Is your performance coach secret or is it somebody you share? Oh uh, yeah, her name's Ula. She was is on COG currently, kind of works with that too. So a lot of esports kind of orgs have performance coaches for their pro players. Um, I'm not strictly a pro player, but I kind of get that extended benefit as well from being on CLG. That's fantastic. Oh my God. They give you that as part of like your your signing. I think that's so wonderful. Yeah, she works with a lot of poker players too. So actually, funnily enough, she was the one that recommended me, Maria Konnikova's book and this other book, The Mental Game of Poker. And she, before the event, she was like running me through like how to tell like signs or like how I should be, like how I should be thinking at the table. And I mean, a lot of the stuff was kind of like from chess as well, where it's just like, you know, if you made a mistake before, you kind of just have to move on. And a lot of that is like really easy to work with because, hey, I've been through this before. She was working with me really a lot earlier this year when I was playing like some tournaments, some bullet tournaments on chess.com or anything like that I was getting like really tilted if I lose and just like really like playing worse and worse as I got worse like got bad at it but then it was just like if it clicks one day and then you're like in the zone everything kind of just goes right it's like that kind of thing beautiful yeah I love that book by the way the um the mental game of poker by Jared Hendler fantastic book and yeah, that is amazing. And by the way, you're being modest because Nemo is a bullet beast. She actually won a big bullet chess championship um, hosted on chess.com earlier this year. Like, uh -huh. that was really awesome. Yeah, that was the one where she worked with me through to get that mental. Because the previous two weeks, I was like really bad at bullet. I was like losing all my rating. I was getting really frustrated. I kept trying to force it and it just wasn't happening. So kind of learned from that experience that, hey, this is how I should probably approach competitive games in the future. And I'm somebody who like gets told something like once and it sticks with me. So I've just been kind of like using that ever since for chess and poker. That's fantastic. And I love how short your timeframes are for improvement. You know, that was like two weeks ago. And like now I'm a completely different poker player. Or like <laughs> I'm not going to say that because I'll go to my next game, forget everything and still think that this was a straight. It's fine. 
Well, you are 21 years old. And that's a demographic, by the way, that is pretty sparsely represented in poker in the United States, at least. Mm. Partly because of regulation of online gaming. Um, and maybe other factors as well. You know, how do you think we get more young women in poker? You know, particularly like post-college? Because it seems like that's an age range. Like if you looked at some of the World Series of Poker statistics... I remember one year there was like one woman between the ages of 21 and 25. Oh my God. In the World Series of Poker main event, which is like a 10K. So of course that ties into it. But what do you think is a good way to appeal to that demographic? A part of it is, you know, really starting, I think, at grassroots, right? Because I know Shuang has worked with like Poker Power, which is actually really cool that I met her because I had actually done something with Poker Power in the esports community a couple of months back. Um, for this like charity event. So that was really awesome that I got to meet her. Actually, Chuan and I are both on the advisory board for Poker Power. And Chuan also, um, in addition to that, is one of their regular instructors. And it's just a very meaningful mission to her. And actually, it's kind of, she's she spoke about in her blog about how it kind of brought her back into the game. This yeah. like meaning. She is awesome. I mean, she, like, I'm not even going to go into the details, but I got Super, like, you know how there's adoption in chess? When we were, this is kind of off topic, but when we were playing the, the, the event in Vegas, she, I got like super, I got kind of unlucky on the first hand against her. And then I got really unlucky on the second one. And I think by the third one, I was just like really tilted whenever, because every time we went, it would just be like heads up, like everybody else just folded and whatever. And I, I was just like getting really annoyed. So I think on the 10th hand that we played against each other, uh, this is like pure heads up. Like we both rivered a straight. She was like, how many chips do you have? I'm like, I'd like, you know, whatever amount I had. I don't remember exactly. She was like, okay, all in. And I'm like, all in. And she's like, you know, I have the nuts, right? And I had the exact same cards at her. We both had uh, what I believe was ace king. We both had ace king. And all the girls were like telling me like, you guys should like split the, not split the pot. What's it called? When you do the second Run it twice? Yeah, when you run it twice. Oh, like, because maybe one of you had a flush draw or something. Or you you both had flush draws. They were just like, you guys, you should you should do this. I was like, they were all the girls were like trying to help me not lose all my chips. And it was really funny because I had the exact same thing. And that was like a tie to the adoption thing that we had going on for that poker. So you avoided adoption from Juan, but her message of women in poker empowerment resonates with you. I think she's very inspiring just because, I mean, she's such a great player. I felt like, if I would play like Magnus Carlsen or something chess, just feel like I have very little chances of getting anywhere with this. I always get really excited when I, I see a potential mentor in somebody who is also a female. I love that. And you know, Poker Power, actually one of the reasons I was so attracted to their their work, um, I'm friends with Shuan and she she told me about them first. And I, I spoke to their group. And at the same time, I was expanding my own work with US Chess Women. And it really felt like the idea of like building a community not only just to like educate each other and inspire each other, but also just for logistics to like mm-hmm. have people that you can like, you know, chat with about, you know, your next tournament plan and how to get money from X to Z and what events to play in. So yeah, I, I think that it, it's really powerful and we're really happy that you like poker because we would love for you to be part of this, you know, booming community. What do you think poker has taught you so far? Oh my God. Poker has taught me to always play very objectively. I mean, it's really funny because everybody's always like, oh, don't you shouldn't play poker because you'll tilt and you'll lose all your money. I'm like, I play League of Legends, which is possibly the world's most tilting game. 
I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but League of Legends is like regularly known for having a very toxic online community. And since you play with teammates, they're usually always bad. Obviously, I'm saying this as a very biased kind of thing. I'm sure many other players who have played with me think I'm awful too. But that's kind of like my point, right? Like everybody thinks everybody else is absolutely awful at the game and it's very toxic. So League of Legends is an extremely tilting game. Going from that to poker, I have probably never, ever like tilted and never, ever like kind of had a bad mental day (laughs) from the game. Like just never. It just has never happened to me. Even if I like lose a lot, it's like, okay, next hand. I just got to do my best. One of my favorite quotes from you, which I got from your interview with Denish on the St. Louis Chess Club channel was that Mm -hmm. you were talking about dealing with haters and you wanted to prove to them that I can be really good at chess and I can also be really good at everything else too. (laughs) So I- Yeah, that sounds like me. I love that. I mean, actually you seem really modest, but I feel like, you know, there's like both of those sides to you where you're, you're modest and you also like are super competitive and want to be the best at what you do. And it makes sense. It's um, it's a hard balance, I think. Like, quite honestly, I never feel like I've accomplished anything when I compare myself to people. But then I also have recently learned that I should probably stop comparing myself to people. So it's a lot of being 21 and figuring stuff out in life, I think. What do you mean? Um, Like, if I see, like, how some other people are kind of doing in life, whether it's, you know, my school friends who have their own multi-million dollar startup or, you know, people like... Like, these are just, like, my regular classmates. Like, I go to, like, I used to go to dinner with some of these people or if it's, like, you know, people in streaming or if it's people in esports or just, like, anything in general. I guess I always have this very bad tendency to be, like, oh, I kind of want to do what they're doing or I kind of want to be as successful or whatever it is, right? And then I just realized, like, hey, everybody's, like, everybody's their own person and you can't really, like, have everything, nor is it, like, nor am I like doing worse than somebody just because they're doing something different. I think my mental has changed a lot. And also I would add to that, that you're friends with people like Alexandra Botez and these million dollar startup creators and Shuan Lu. Like actually like it's good if you have people around you that make you think like, wow, like (laughs) those are the people that will like push you up, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I definitely think as long as I approach it, mentally in a in a positive light rather than like you know being like oh my god why am I not like them kind of way I think it's always it can't be possibly a bad thing I definitely think it just comes from like my competitive nature and yeah a very funny story my mom used to always compare me to Optima Alexandria when I was growing up which I'm sure you know uh, we are the same age we played in every like single youth tournament together and at some point, she just became like, you know, 400 points higher rated than me with a grandmaster title. And that is totally fine. But but my point is like, I always used to get compared to like people. And it was just like a very like kind of rough sort of mental thing that got ingrained to me when I was a lot younger. So I'm like trying really hard to like work around that now. Yeah, I understand. It's hard because also with as women in fields that are mostly male, mm-hmm. a lot of people just instinctively compare the women to each other, like in the yeah. media and also just, and sometimes that can kind of exacerbate this tendency for competitive people to oh, compare. for sure. <laughs> like, I wish it was just like, instead of wanting what or putting other women down for things and like wishing you were there instead of like, 
it should be just a lot more supportive and a lot more like encouraging each other to kind of do things i think that's kind of the way like i really want to approach my stream chess poker and all of that for me like being able to even share the fact that i play chess is just complete like miracle because i think when i was growing up i was like there's no way chess is ever going to be anything for me and then you know here we are so definitely trying to like keep an open mind and also remind myself that hey this is what kind of didn't happen when i was younger so i kind of want to make it happen a little bit more for others for the next generation absolutely i think that's a beautiful way to end things and of course it's very easy to find aka nemsco she's on instagram she's very popular on instagram and twitter and of course her twitch twitch tv at slash aka nemsco oh youtube also you got youtube as well oh yeah youtube too i totally forgot that one you're controlling all of them but i have to point out before we stop i think it was maybe a year and a half ago i, I popped in your stream and i asked if you were on twitter and you said no no, that's for old people. Yeah, and then look at me now. <laughs> yeah, I used to never <laughs> use social media, and then I started using it. I'm like, oh, it's an endless rabbit hole of things I can be on. Every forum is a little different, and it seems like you're kind of using them to express yourself. So I love to say it. Absolutely. But thank you so much. As we have Nemo on King 10 suited against Maria Konnikova. What a wonderful hand, and also... A very inspiring interview overall. I'd love <laughs> to see more from you in poker in the coming years. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to thepokergrid.com. Please subscribe, review, and tell your friends about your favorite episode. If you want to support my projects, consider a tax-deductible donation to U.S. Chess Women. We are working to even the mind sports playing field by bringing more women and girls into chess. Till next time, as we count down 169 hands. No one ever bust. They say I'm lucky. Oh, no, no need to bluff. With all the cheap tricks up my sleeve. Yeah, I got talent.